It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. I am also today on Locked On NFL. If you are not a Locked On NFL subscriber, go check that out. I'm on the show today. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think your your listens are going to uh, benefit me monetarily, but, <laughs> but that's not what it's all about. Uh, you know, we they needed some some help with the hosts as as our normal host Matt Williamson is taking a little bit of a vacation, a, a deserved vacation. He puts in a lot of work on that show, and and uh, I was happy to to step in and help him out there. Andy Herman from Cheesehead TV and the Packaday Podcast is on the show today to talk about the upgrades the Packers have made in the offseason. Andy is a um, a religious, I would say, film watcher. Uh, and that's sort of that's sort of his brand. He almost renamed his Twitter handle "Grinding the Tape" or some some facsimile of that. Uh, and so he does he does his own grading scale, and he notes uh, that there are a lot of Packer players who were bad last year, according to his grades. And by the way, they were still Packers when he did those grades, and they're being replaced by players who he studied and found that they're in fact good, or at least solid. And this is something that I don't think gets discussed enough. Solid players win football games. And, and we're going to talk about that with Andy, about these upgrades and, and just the, the really the massive gap in some cases of the upgrades that were made. And, and I don't think you have to think that Zadarius Smith is J.J. Watt to think that he can be a massive upgrade. I don't think you have to think Adrian Amos is the second coming of Earl Thomas to believe that he can be a massive upgrade. Speaking of upgrades, though, I want to start today's show with uh, a story that came out in which Mark Murphy basically, and not basically, explicitly confirmed the report, and, and this is something that I have been talking about basically since the Khalil Mack trade happened. There I go, basically again. Why do I keep saying that? Literally. This is literally. Um, th- that the Raiders chose to deal with the Bears because of... The fact that they believed, Oakland believed, the Bears would finish with the worst record. Now, of course, they turned out to be wrong about that. And it's also true that that Chicago did not truly give up two firsts. They gave up a first in this draft and a first in next draft. But that that next draft comes with a pick swap in the second round. If, if the Bears are good and the Raiders are bad, that might not be a huge drop-off. So that's, that's part of the equation here. Could the Packers have gotten a deal done? Would they have been willing to give up both of the Saints picks? 
And could that have could that have been enough? Would you trade both of those picks uh, for for Khalil Mack? I think you probably would. But remember the the money that that comes along with that and all of the the factors there. But this is confirmation now that Green Bay never really had the opportunity. I know Packer fans are you know they they have somewhat short memories about this, but I I remember seeing early in the offseason all of this Brian Gutekind stuff. Because he hadn't had this whole hog offseason yet where it's, yeah, well, Brian Gutekunst is just Ted Thompson 2.0 and he didn't make the Khalil Mack trade and the Bears won the division because of it. And then, you know, they, they kind of, the people who are saying that have to be quiet after Brian Gutekunst has the offseason that he did. Go all in on two pass rushers and then you trade up for the safety. You get Adrian Amos. You, you sign Billy Turner who, you know, is he going to be a world beater? No. Is he going to be a significant upgrade over Byron Bell, who was legitimately one of the three to five worst preferred starters in the league last year? Yeah, he is. In all likelihood, he is. Even if he's just like replacement level, even if he is a zero on the grade sheet and he's not a net negative, that will be a pretty big upgrade over what Green Bay had. But so this Khalil Mack thing, I just want us to put it to bed. And of course, there is the cynic who will say, well, of course, Mark Murphy would say that. But it was reported. And this was, from, by the way, from, from Jets media, from New York media, because the Jets apparently were willing to put two firsts on the table, never got the opportunity to because people thought the Bears would be bad. And the Bears turned out with Khalil Mack to be a lot better than even teams in the league thought they would be, or at least better than the Raiders thought they would be, better than John Gruden thought they would be. And so it is not on Brian Gutekinds to have not made this trade. There are, there are still Packer fans making the argument about, oh, well, he should have put two firsts on the table. Even if he had, it's not clear that, that Green Bay would have been in the mix. It sounds like, based on what Mark Murphy has said, that Oakland made up their mind about Chicago. That they were the team that, that Oakland targeted because they felt like the Bears were not ready to be a 12-win team. And Green Bay was, especially with Khalil Mack. You know, I think you you can certainly make a case that even with Aaron Rodgers hurt last year and even with the offensive mess, if Khalil Mack is on the Packers last year, they probably win nine or ten games. Even with all, because look at how many close games Green Bay lost. You know, does the Seattle game swing the other way? Green Bay had a lead in that game. You know, does the, the Minnesota game, do they just win that game outright? Does the Chicago game swing the other way? They lost that game by seven points. How many one-score wins? Does the Rams game flip coming off a bye? How many of those close losses flip? Or in the case of week two, the tie. By just having Khalil Mack on the field. And not just having Khalil Mack on the field, but having him instead of Nick Perry. Or instead of Clay Matthews. Or instead of Reggie Gilbert. That difference, that gap, is enormous. It's enormous. And, and, you know, that, that gap for, for the Bears, pretty big, pretty big. It's not like if you took, you know, if you just took Khalil Mack off, they would be a historically great defense. They wouldn't. They'd be a, they'd be a very good defense. And we saw it in the games that Khalil Mack missed. The, the rest of the defense was not able to pick up the slack. You know, Eddie Jackson was a really good player two years ago without Khalil Mack. Kyle Fuller wasn't. And Danny Trevathan wasn't. And Prince of Mukamara wasn't, 
They were solid players. They were not Pro Bowl players. Akeem Hicks was really good, but he was made better by the fact that teams had to think twice about double-teaming him because they had to double-team Khalil Mack. He changed everything for them. And obviously, he would have made the Packers better, but now it seems clear. We've got reporting from another team involved in the trade that they were not ever really able to get into the mix. And now the Packers president, whose relationships with these teams is on the line when he puts things on the record, saying, Oakland zeroed in on Chicago for this reason. I think at this point, that's enough evidence. That is corroborating evidence for the reports. And we have to we have to now take that as this is our working understanding of what happened. It, it might not make you feel better or worse about what happened, but I think this has to be now how we just understand everything that went on with Green Bay. They were never really in it. And if you have problems being in it, that's where BlueChew.com comes in. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Promo code Locked On to try it free. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down-there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one two punch to keep your one two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get to Andy Herman. You can follow him on Twitter at Scani Sports. He started the Pack-A-Day podcast. He also breaks down uh, the film. He's a film grinder at Cheesehead TV. Uh, and uh, he you're probably already following him on Twitter, so you know who he is. You know what he does. Andy, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers, a return appearance for you. 
Yeah, thanks so much as always for having me. I always love talking Packers, especially with you here on our rival podcast. But no, this is fantastic. Thanks as always for having me. <laughs> I was on a, a podcast uh, the other day, the Freezer podcast, and they brought up Locked On Packers and Pack a Day, and I, I I feigned ignorance. I was like, I don't I don't know who Andy Herman is, and I don't know what that podcast Never is. Never heard of him. No idea what that is. Must be new. <laughs> All right, Andy, uh, in, in all seriousness, or at least as serious as, as we need to be here, um, an interesting conversation started between us on Twitter. And, and frankly, you know, as, as, as interesting as we can be possibly, <laughs> um, which is, you know, not a high bar for us, unfortunately, but uh, was th- this idea of upgrades. And when you, you sort of laid it all out there, uh, the different players that Green Bay replaced and the quality of the the players that they're putting in those positions. Now, you used your grading system, which you have readily admitted is your grading system. Yep. Uh, and, and, and look, uh, there are other grading systems out there. I think you have to trust who you're going to trust. Uh, and obviously, I trust you enough to have you on the show. So, you know, what, when, you, when you're going through and looking at these spots... I mean, some of these are really startling and you start to think, okay, they were, you know, they were six, nine and one last year. That's really seven and nine, given the the stupid Vikings call. There's a, there's a potential that if Matt LaFleur is not a disaster, there are a lot of upgrades on this team. They should be a lot better. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think you bring up a great point. You know, every grading system is going to be a little bit different and everything's going to be in the eye of the beholder. And if you get, you know, five people who know football in a room and they each grade something, it's probably all going to come out a little bit different. Um, So I, I completely agree with you there. I think the thing for me is that you, you're you just looking at specific trends. You're looking at specific players. I kind of feel in a way like I might be onto something because all the players that I really graded negatively uh, are gone from the team. And I think that really gets us to the point where uh, we are looking to see some of these upgrades. So uh, you take a look at some of the players that graded far in the negative for me last year. I mean, four of the top ones were Kentrell Bryce, ha, Clinton Dix, Clay Matthews, and Nick Perry. So... All four are gone, and in their stead, in their place, are, uh, you know, first at edge rusher, of course, we know the, the key players here, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and at safety, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. And one of the things that I really wanted to go back and do is is take a look at a lot of these new players. Now, Savage and Gary, it's really tough, at least for me, to get all 22 film, which is, you know, limits me uh, to what I can see mm-hmm. on tape of them and how to grade them. But the other three players, the free agents that they picked up on defense, I can easily go out and do. And when I went out and I watched Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Adrian Adrian Amos, I graded all three quite easily in the positive. Amos a plus six, Zadarius plus 5.9, and uh, you know Preston Smith plus two, which uh, means that they're putting a lot more positives on tape, a lot more uh, good plays, big plays on tape than they are negative plays, which is obviously uh, what you want to see. And uh, it was just a, a night and day difference between the players that they're replacing. And uh, the skeptic or the the cynic might say, well, uh, you know, now that you know they're Packers, you're grading them higher. And and you know, there's probably always a buy there but it's not that you know like Nick Perry and Clay Matthews and Ha Clinton Dixon Kentrell Bryce weren't Packers when I was grading them either so I was hoping that they were doing well and wanting them to do well also so a a strict apples to apples comparison these are these are four major upgrades for Green Bay well and and you look at pass rush in particular outside linebacker for the Packers that's a premium position and so it's not just that they're replacing some guys 
it's not just that they're saying, oh, okay, well, wide receiver three is now a lot better. This is not the Bears upgrading to Taylor Gabriel. This is premier frontline positions, and you're taking players that were really bad. Not, not really bad, but that were actually bad yep. last year and replacing them with players that are actually good. Sometimes I think we underrate the value of just having good, steady, quality players in a position. It doesn't always have to be Von Miller or it doesn't always have to be Earl Thomas, right? I mean, when you look at the difference in these grades, Kentrell Bryce, you know, the difference between Kentrell Bryce and Adrian Amos is probably how you would have graded a really good Earl Thomas season. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true. If you have, if you're going from a guy who is solid to great, that's probably a plus ten differential. If you're going from a guy that's really bad to really solid, really good, that's a plus ten differential. It's a, it's a massive, massive swing. And I, I think there's two ways that you can kind of build defenses. I think you can kind of survive with, you know, some really big playmakers. And I, I look back at the Packers' last Super Bowl, and they had some major playmakers on that team, right? You had your Charles Woodsons, your Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. uh, you had your you know, uh, Tremont Williams was fantastic. Nick Collins, we all know the main players there, but you also had some Frank Zombos and some Howard Greens and some Charlie Peppers on that team that weren't quite so great. And you were just hoping that they were going to kind of hold up their end of the bargain enough so that all those playmakers and those studs could go make their plays. And then every once in a while, you'll hear, you know, the term a no-name defense. It's a defense that just gels together. It's got the right coordinator with the right pieces that they need. They've usually got great depth, and it may not be one or two Von Millers or Khalil Max or Reggie Whites or, you know, Clay Matthews, whoever you want to name. It's, it's just a group of 11 guys and maybe 13 or 14 guys with some of the sub packages that just know how to play defense. And it's it goes a little bit to you're only as good as your weakest link. And if you have guys all over the place, Place where you don't have one specific guy that you can attack, there is great, great value in that. And I think that's a little bit of what they're trying to attack. And it's not to say that they don't have playmakers, because I think they've got some really, uh, really big names, especially, you know, you get your Kenny Clarks. If Mike Daniels can bounce back, I think Zadarius is going to be a big time player on this team, Jair Alexander. So they've got some of those guys, but I think this is going to be a little bit of that. They just don't have the weaknesses. They've got good players all around the defense. And to your point, you know, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith don't have to be 15 sack guys. They just have to be not minus players. And this is this is what really speaks to that. You're the the case that you're laying out here. Can you just um, you know, without you don't have to go into great detail, but when you when you talk about grades and you talk about these numbers plus and minus, what yep. what are what are they representing for you? Yeah, so on every single play, so for those who don't know, I grade every single play throughout the course of the season, and I did the same thing with the the you know free agents that have come in this offseason. And basically, every single play can be anywhere from a plus two to a minus two. Now, uh, a plus two is you know literally a game-changing play where it, you probably won the game on that individual play, and it was an insane effort. And a negative two would be you know your Brandon Bostic you know onside kick situation. So the, that's the, the 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 most and least points you can get on a specific play. The vast, vast, vast majority of plays are uh, plus 0.1 to a minus 0.1. Somewhere in there, it's pretty neutral. You're not going to get you know, any major swings. It's it's building up points throughout the course of a game for little things that you're doing well. If you're not making major mistakes, if you're not making major plays, it's going to be little uh, you know, little movements back and forth with a, a huge chunk of players ending up around net neutral the majority of the time. But when you see some of these big pluses, when you see some of these big minuses, what it tells you is that either they were you know, making huge plays 
plays or giving up huge plays or they consistently played really, really well or consistently played very, very poorly. Um, and that's kind of what the grading system is is set up to do. So, uh, you know, about the, the the biggest player that I've had grade through a season is about a plus 20. The worst is about a negative 15. So it kind of gives you some of those, uh, you know, boundaries just to give you a little bit more of an idea. But that that's kind of the, the general gist of the grading. And um, it, it really, I think the, the thing that I enjoy about it is it's one consistent set of eyes that's looking at it over the course of at least now two seasons. This will be my third season doing it this year. So uh, at least hopefully you have some consistency there with at least one grader looking at it every week yeah you know all of this being subjective you we don't yep. know we, the the qb uh tier thing came just came out mike sandos piece that he does every year those those coaches and personnel people see the same players differently this is this is just the nature of it so you know those kinds of discussions i think can sometimes be a little bit overrated it's what i find troublesome is when people are not transparent about it um, and, and there can be issues like that. I'm not speaking about you. I'm speaking about a, a big company that does this a lot. Um, uh, no, <laughs> neither and, here and nor I there think, on that. I think that's a really good point. And, and the thing that I've always wanted to say to people is, and, and kind of what I referenced at the beginning, I don't expect my grades to be the be all and all just because I say somebody played poorly. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily a bad player. If I said somebody played great, it doesn't mean that maybe they didn't make some mistakes. And I think there's you have to be aware of the blind spots too. So I don't always know the play call. Now, if you watch the play and you see what all 11 guys are doing, you can, on the majority of plays, tell what the scheme was and what they were trying to accomplish on a specific play. But it's not perfect. And there are times where I know somebody messed up and I just don't know who it was. It could have been a couple different players. And I'm not grading somebody negatively because I, I think I know who it is. If I don't know for sure, or at least with a pretty good uh, you know, feeling, I'm not going to grade that player negatively. So there, there's gaps in it. You have to be aware of those gaps. Um, but I, I do think, again, if you took anyone that's watched football for any period of time and you just took a player and you watched him every single snap over a course of the season, I think most people would be able to glean whether that player was playing pretty well or pretty, uh, or pretty poorly. Um, and there's always going to be a, uh, you know, a deviation there. There's always going to be room for error, but uh, I definitely think some of those things can have value. And, and I think that's why it's important to look at it. And one of the things I always do that big company that you named earlier, I always go back and I look at some of my grades at the end of the year in comparison to those. And, you know, when I had graded haha Clinton Dix poorly throughout the first half of last season and the season before that pro football focus had him as their second rated safety i wanted to go and I, during the bye week last year i went and i looked at every play for ha ha clinton dicks again because i wanted to see is there something i'm missing is there something i'm biased against is there what am i missing and i went back and I did a huge article and I posted basically everything I saw. And the crux of that article was, hey, you judge for yourself. Maybe I'm not seeing something correctly. And I definitely stood by the grade that I had. And I think that's kind of why he's no longer in town. But uh, there's definitely a piece of that. And I think that's why they're valued to seeing different people's grades on things. Yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're only consuming once and this I did, I don't mean to disparage Pro Football Focus because I think there are some smart people there. I think they do a lot of really important, really good work for sure. And I think I wish we I frankly, I wish we had more places that were doing charting so that we could have a more complete view of of what these players are and what they're doing. Uh, but you there was there was one tweet that you had that that stood out to me in particular because you went back and, you know, when you took the grades from the players that the Packers signed, you re-ranked what the defense would have looked like or, or the grades that you had and who the best players on the defense would have been. And to me, it was pretty startling to see what the top five looked like. 
Yeah, and and I think the startling point is obviously that two of those players would have been the players that were incoming. So it would have been Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, and and Zedarius Smith would have been the five. And uh, I I think that's accurate, and I I don't think that there's uh, too much of a hot take right there. And, uh, you know, the thing about Adrian Amos, when I went back and I watched him, of course, the the negative on Adrian is that he hasn't made some of those huge splash plays. And just knowing how I grade... If you would have told me, you know, and he had four, at least three or four pretty bad plays last year. He had two plays against Miami where he gave up huge touchdowns because he failed to wrap up and make a tackle on a play. And yeah. in a way, they kind of lost the game because of those two big plays uh, against a team that they should not have lost against. Uh, he had, And then in the playoff game. No one on the Bears could tackle that game, in fairness. That's that, true. They, they that's were 100%. horrible as a tackling defense that game. That's very true. It was so uncharacteristic of him and that team as a whole. It was just a really weird game. And then, uh, you know, in the playoff game, he had a touchdown against Goddard, which was a perfect route, perfect throw. Um, he had a, a you know, a, a penalty that kind of led to a touchdown later in the drive, which was just him being aggressive. It was his first one like that all season long. But he had he had some plays that really cost them. And if you'd have told me he had those and didn't really make up with it for some really big plays, I would have said he's probably a negative five to negative eight type player, but he was so consistent in everything that he did besides those two games and those four plays in particular. He just graded well almost on every single play throughout the course of a game, and that really added up throughout the course of a season. So really enjoyable player to watch. He needs to you know, hopefully gain some more of those splash plays. He puts himself in the right spot so many times that I think just by dumb luck and happenstance, it's going to hopefully regress to the mean, and he's due for just some lucky bounces his way, if nothing else. And then I think, again, same thing with Zedarius Smith. He consistently puts himself in a situation to win. He's got an explosive first step. Uh, He really uses his hands well. He needs to develop a a counter and kind of a a move off of his first move if it doesn't succeed. But a high motor player. And I think both of these players are going to be top five players on this defense going into next season. Yeah, I think you can make the case that that Preston Smith and, and Adrian Amos are both guys who are and, and have been to this point in their career anyway. Remember, they're both, um, you know, I think just 26. Uh, they have been, you know, sort of a half step slow making plays. Uh, Preston Smith has been a half step short of making a sack a ton. I mean, he, his pressure numbers speak for themselves. He gets pressure pressure at a rate that is, you know, commensurate with some of the top guys in the league, but doesn't have the sack numbers to back it up. I wanted to ask you specifically about Amos because I went back and I watched the first four games of the year and and then I had also watched the playoff game and I'm watching the tape going, where are the plays he was supposed to make that he didn't? Yeah. To me, it seemed like part of it was usage. It was like, okay, this was a robber coverage. He had to come all the way from deep and and make a play underneath. He got there just as the ball was arriving and made a sure tackle. What was he supposed to do that he didn't do on that play? That was what I was wondering if you as you as the season went on, if you felt like he was leaving splash plays on the table. No, no, not at all. And that that was the thing up until that point, especially in that Miami game where, the, where there were a couple of missed tackles. And then even up to that point after that, I was legitimately wondering because, of course, all we've heard from you know some of the the louder Bears fans is that uh, this is a player that wasn't very good and he you know he wasn't going to make big plays for you and things like that. And you know we're used to seeing safeties that give up some pretty big plays from time to time. And the, the most outstanding thing to me about Adrian Amos is you're 100 percent correct. Outside of a couple 
really rare place for him here and there. He's in a situation that he's supposed to be. He's doing everything that he's supposed to do. And there's just no real errors. And there's nothing that he could have done more. There's not like there were a bunch of interceptions hitting him in the hands and he was dropping them. You have to remember, this is a team. And I think Bears fans, and in, in, in my mentions at least, and I think in yours as well, love to point out that Adrian Amos was made because of Eddie Jackson. And listen, if you're playing next to Eddie Jackson, yes, your job as a safety is going to be easier unequivocally. But that goes both ways. The reason that Eddie Jackson yep. is able to fly around yep. to the football, come up and do everything that he's able to do and take gambles and take risks from time to time is because they have an incredibly steady player who they knew was going to be everywhere that they wanted him to be at all times and wasn't going to give up big plays. That allowed Eddie Jackson to go be the playmaker. Now they've got a guy in HaHa Clinton Dix who is that risk reward player. He's probably going to make a few plays too, but he's not going to be that steady, safe player that they want to be able to back up uh, Eddie Jackson so that he can go do everything that he's great at doing. So I think this is a major addition for Green Bay. I think he's going to team incredibly well with Darnell Savage. I think he could be a really great mentor for Darnell Savage as well if it works out that way. And I think the, the Bears really lost a player that I think they're going to really miss going into next season. It's going to be interesting to see the the worst case scenario for our mentions, Andy is <laughs> is Haha Clinton Dix coming up with a big a big play in Week One that that cost the Packers the game. We uh, we may have to we may have to quit Twitter if that happens. Uh, let my listeners know if they don't already know um, where they can find all the work that you do, including the Pack-A-Day podcast. Yeah, you can always find us on the Pack-A-Day podcast uh, 365 days a year. Um, I'm usually on on Mondays, uh, but you can definitely listen to us uh, you know, all year long, and we've got a ton of uh, great uh, hosts and a lot of great guests. Peter, you've been on. Uh, you were phenomenal as well, so uh, we'll have to definitely get you back on here in the near future, and you can always find my writing on Cheesehead TV as well. Some of us do shows four or five days a week, Andy. I just I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, see, the, I don't know if you realize this, Peter, but uh, the way to really win in this industry and be successful is let other people uh, that are better than you, you know, do the work for you, and uh, they get to shine. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, in all seriousness, I think a really cool thing about uh, the team is that they're all so phenomenal, and uh, they, you know, we're just a team, and everyone's working together. So, but I respect the hell. I can't imagine doing it four days a week. Uh, that would be uh, quite the undertaking so uh, i kudos to you well it often feels like a sisyphean feat because <laughs> you just keep pushing the rock up and and then the tumbling back down but i appreciate that andy that you guys are, are awesome over there would love to get back on uh once the season gets rolling or before whatever you guys want uh i'm available and and i'm sure most of my listeners are, are already aware of that and, and probably already listening if you're not go check it out um but but make sure you're subscribed and and uh, rated this podcast first just that that'd be great <laughs> andy i appreciate you coming back on lockdown packers we'll do it again soon can't wait thanks so much peter have a good one matt williamson brings the scouts perspective to the locked on nfl podcast you got to talk 2018 quarterbacks josh allen has the best quarterback record aside from lamar jackson but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen he's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play yeah let's throw a couple nuggets out on Allen and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3 what's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted and he got better I thought this past year which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. 
Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to thank Andy again for joining the podcast. Always great work, uh, and he is he is thorough. Again, the the grades your your mileage may vary on the grades thing. And Pro Football Focus, God knows, I have had issues with their grades in the past. I've had issues with the transparency. I've had issues with the consistency. Andy does the work. He puts in the work, and his eyes are his eyes. So you go back and you look at the last two years. It's the same guy grading all of the players. And so, you know, whatever biases he may have, and we all have them, they seep into everything we do. At least he can be consistent about it because it's just him. And we know it's him. We know what the criteria are. He's transparent about that. So I think what I have always said about grades is they are most useful on the margins. Whether a player is really good or really bad should be easily discerned in these kinds of things. And I think when you look at you know, what, what what he is putting out there in terms of the grades of these players, they jive with what I see. And that's why I, I, I trust him. That's why I have him on. I mean, we, we're going to disagree on some stuff, of course. And, and not just because we have a, a faux professional rivalry. It's just the nature of the beast. So I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. And, you know, I think there's, like I said, a lot to be excited about, about what the upgrades will mean for this team moving forward. We run a little long today. I apologize for that. I try to be understanding of your time in the offseason so we'll be back two more times this week training camp opens in just two days the players are getting here they're arriving they're going to have a lot to say we're going to hear from them very soon so reacting to that and, and figuring out where to go from here remember you can follow me on twitter at peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers you can subscribe on iTunes. You can leave a review, a five-star rating, preferably. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to always stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.